Good to see you tonight in the Lord's house. Welcome, everyone. We're going to begin with number 214, Standing on the Promises of Christ our King. We were thinking today about what it means to abide in Christ and about keeping the Word of the Lord, and we want to keep that in our heart. And, of course, the best way to do that is to take His Word in all its reality in all its truth, and apply it to our hearts, standing on those promises. And when we do that, well, we find that the Spirit of God reinforces that truth to our hearts, and we're able to launch forward and step out in faith, of course. And so as we think about that tonight, let's stand as we worship the Lord, standing on those promises. One of those <clears throat> great gospel hymns that it's a blessing to be able to sing. And as I'm up here, as I mentioned this morning, I have this little tickle in my throat, and 
Uh, somebody left me some throat lozenges. Joan, was that you that did that? Oh, that's good. Uh, they might have been for bad breath, I don't know, but uh, hopefully they are for throat lozenges and it'll make me feel better. But whenever you try to sing out, well, that's just when you get something caught in your throat there. So I can't sing out the way I really would like to on a hymn like this. Nonetheless, it's good to get your spiritual teeth into it and really be able to praise God. Let's, on this final verse, really lift up our praises to God. good singing tonight. Let's come to the Lord now, please, and just commit our service to Him and pray much for His blessing upon our gathering. Father, as we have commenced our evening service tonight, it has been, Lord, with a song of testimony, a song of thanksgiving, a song of praise for the preciousness of the Word of God that enables us to rest firmly by faith upon these precious promises that are given to us through Christ and through His merit. And Lord, we stand tonight upon the unmovable rock of Holy Scripture. And Lord, we pray that we will be strengthened with might in the inner man, that we will grow spiritually, that we will not be children in our understanding, not children in faith, but we will become strong. We'll become very advanced in our Christian walk. And that, Lord, we will stand without apology upon the Scripture, and we will take these precious promises and pray over them, Lord. Pray them into our hearts and pray resting that Thou wilt do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Dear God, the Word is so proven in our hearts many, many times over. And we give tonight worship and thanksgiving. And we ask, dear Father, to strengthen every heart and I pray that if someone is going through a specific spiritual battle or struggle, maybe they're wrestling in some trial. Well, Lord, I pray that You would reinforce with the steel of the Scripture into the, the very heart and soul. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Help us. We pray that each one of us will be revived in our spirits. We will be strengthened we will know what it means to go on from strength to strength, and that we will not go through the motions of Christianity. Lord, we don't want to do that. We want to be out and out genuine believers without hypocrisy or double standards. 
Dear God, enable us, we pray, tonight. Bless the gathering of Your people, everyone who is here in person, and those unable to attend but are viewing the service online from near and far. Remember tonight, our brother Steve and Carol Kelly, help them, Lord, we pray, to get settled into their new home in B.C. And bless Esther and Chris Delalo and their family. Watch over them, Lord, we pray. And we ask that the testimony of our brother that we so enjoyed here, that it would be yet multiplied over where he is now living, along with his dear wife. Help them at this time. Remember Sandra Brown tonight. We ask, Lord, for Your hand to be upon her in the hospital where she is. Dear God, come with comfort and strength to her heart. Remember Chloe's mom. Remember Reverend Bodner. Remember Serene here tonight and our brother Ron. Remember, Lord, we pray, those that have recently been bereaved of loved ones. Father, pour in Your strength and grace and comfort continually as the hurt and the pain does not go away quickly. Our Father, we pray that we would rejoice and You would make each one of us strong in Christ and make our combined testimony here from the witness in Toronto, may it be multiplied. Let our testimony, whether it be from the electronic sign or the new signs that have been put up on Nielsen Road, people driving by, let them read the Gospel and let the Word of God go into their hearts with power. Make use of us for individual witnessing to our neighbors and friends, workers, co-workers. Lord, just bless us and multiply the work. We're thankful for the salvation of Mr. Ross Cherry in Port Hope. And Lord, we rejoice with that family, with Morag, her husband. We pray, Lord, that You would multiply that in Port Hope, in Barrie, here in Toronto, in Calgary, and in Cloverdale, in Prince George, in Penticton, all across our churches, in Fredericton. Lord, bless all of these centers and help us, we ask, to go forward as a bright testimony in an increasingly dark world. So, Lord, strengthen us and help us. Be near us tonight, we pray. Receive our thanksgiving, and as we will be meeting around the table of communion, Lord, after our evening service, again, presence Yourself with us and make us each one conscious of the purpose and the reason of our gathering. We might remember again the great work of Jesus and what He did on Calvary's cross for us. Bless us now. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Seeing again, please, number 397. <clears throat> I know whom I have believed. We'll stand, please, as we sing.
Turning, please, in our Bibles tonight to Psalm 14. Psalm 14. We are considering tonight in our study the part of Belshazzar's life. And the opening verse of Psalm 14 is most fitting, for it speaks about the man who declares there is no God. And certainly, when he declares there is no true and living God, the God of the Bible, that man, God, puts an epitaph over his life. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge." Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of His people. Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. The Lord bless His Word to your heart. You will recognize the words of verse 2, because the Apostle Paul picks up that theme in Romans chapter 3, when he speaks virtually the same words, and he talks about those who are without light, without knowledge, without understanding, and they do not seek after the Lord, they have altogether gone aside. They've gone astray. And this is something that has been done intentionally. The heart of man who has closed his mind and his heart off to God and both Romans 1 and Romans chapter 3 both bring out the absolute foolishness of men who have looked at their Creator and have completely rejected and ignored Him and have set up for themselves another God in His place. And so therefore the conclusion is that man, that woman, they are fools for they have not acknowledged the living and the true God that is so clearly presented both in the revelation of nature and in the revelation of the Word of God. Ah, but my dear friends, isn't that where grace comes in? And such amazing and wonderful grace that the Lord has opened our eyes to this truth. And if it had not been for the Lord to open our eyes, where would we be? We would still be in the darkness. We would be with all the others. But God has had mercy upon us, and He has brought us out of the darkness and into His glorious light and the liberty of the sons of God 
so we can be thankful and rejoice tonight in all of His goodness to us. Great to see you again in the Lord's house. You are very welcome here in person and also visiting our service online tonight. We're very happy that you're here with us. Please remember some important things in prayer. Mentioned our brother Steve and sister Carol Kelly who moved last Thursday with their daughter and family out to British Columbia. Uh, Esther wanted to have her parents close to her so she could look after them. She had been doing a lot of traveling back and forth from her home out there to take care of Steve and Carol, and their health was, well, just getting more complicated, more difficult, and so they have now made their new home there. I know they would very much appreciate your prayers uh, to them. Our brother Steve's cell phone is the same one he had when he was here, and until that number changes, if you have it, I'm sure he would appreciate a text or maybe a call sometime. Please remember our sister Sandra Brown in your prayers. She is in hospital at this time and uh, needing uh, the touch of God upon her body and just to comfort her at this very time. And remembering the other ones I mentioned this morning, uh, please, in our prayers. Remember Chloe's mom uh, tonight as well as she is in the hospital Please remember that following our service tonight, we'll be meeting around the Lord's table, and that is the table that is set forth for those who know Christ as their own Savior, who make testimony that they are saved, and if that is yours, well, then you're welcome to partake with us. It doesn't mean that you can't stay in the service, even if you're not saved, but we ask you to pass by the elements as they come and not partake if you do not know the Lord yet. Wednesday evening is our prayer meeting, and it will be at 7.30 this week. And our brother, Mr. Craig Richards, will be bringing the Word on Wednesday night. And I know he would greatly appreciate your prayers as he prepares for that service on Wednesday night. And then on the coming Lord's Day, our brother Frank DiDerno will be bringing the message in the morning. And then in the evening, Mr. Jonathan Eccles, who's a third-year a ministerial student from Northern Ireland. He is finishing up his tour really across Canada, and he will be speaking here Sunday evening. He'll be in Barrie in the morning on the 21st of August. And so do please come along and support our brother in the evening service. Also, next Lord's Day evening, I believe we're going to be having the visit of Mr. Sam Houston. Sam used to be an evangelist with our church here back when we were in the days of Warden Avenue. That's going a long way back. And uh, our brother, his wife passed away a couple of years ago, and he's over visiting his family, but he's going to be coming along to the church and bringing a message in song and uh, perhaps just sharing a few thoughts of thanks to the congregation here for your prayers for him. So remember that, please, next Lord's Day evening. There will be fellowship following the service next Lord's Day and not at the last Sunday of the month. Remember in prayer, please, as our school will be starting on the day after Labor Day and as the staff and students make preparation, we want to be faithful in our preparation in prayer for this vital ministry of this congregation. 
Don't forget, please, on August the 26th is our part two of the Sunday School Seminar, and Reverend Gallagher will be the keynote speaker for that time, and he will uh, be bringing a two-part series, two different sessions, and uh, that's for all of our Sunday School teaching staff presently now, and uh, for others who were there at part one of our seminar, and if you're interested in getting involved in that work, well, we encourage you to come along and just listen in on those meetings. That's at 7 p.m. on August the 26th. Now also, as we think about getting ready for the start of school, we have some ground work that needs to be done. And we did not have a spring cleanup because we were in the midst of getting a brother Alex Newell was getting the gates installed and we're just in the final stages now of getting them wired up. And uh, so we want to be able to finish the groundwork around the gates and then mulching in some of the areas around the gardens and so on. And so we'll be setting a work party hopefully the last week of August. And we don't want to leave the ladies out because the last time you didn't get a chance. So we're going to have an in-house cleaning and an outside cleaning. And so the gentlemen, the men will be outside, the ladies can be inside, and there's lots of corners and so on that we want to get cleaned up and tidied up as we uh, do. Instead of a spring cleaning, it will be a fall cleaning, and uh, that's what we will do instead. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 616, remaining seated at this time when we sing, If thou but suffer God to guide thee, and hope in Him through all thy ways. He'll give thee strength, whatever betide thee, and bear thee through the evil days. 616.
as we sing that first verse once more. Please turn now to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. Reading the first 16 verses. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king 
and his lords came into the banquet house. The queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, forasmuch as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have heard, even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read the, this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, Thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Please join with me in a word of prayer as we seek for the Lord's help in understanding here this word tonight. Dear Father, we pray that understanding will be given to us. Help me to speak thy word faithfully and with the unction of heaven. Lord, we desire to know the things of Scripture and have them applied to our hearts. Let us learn from these accounts that are given, historic records, that which the world may deny. But Lord, we believe them as they are given, inspired, directed for us, written for our learning. And therefore, Lord, we pray tonight that we will have that divine understanding. Hear, Lord, our prayers. Be with us now, we pray, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want you to think with me tonight on this particular subject that we draw from Daniel 5, 
And it is this, Daniel's radiant testimony in a dark world. His radiant testimony in a dark world. Chapter 5 of this book, it is about Belshazzar's path to willful destruction. And we noticed the last time in our study his flagrant rejection of God. Belshazzar came on the scene of history rather suddenly. We note that from verse 1. For many years, historians had doubted the existence of Belshazzar because they did not find his name recorded in any of the so-called secular historic writings that had been excavated in any of the areas of the Middle East. That is, until there was a Babylonian text discovered in 1854 by a man who was doing that work in Ur of the Chaldees. And when that was excavated, Belshazzar is named on that artifact as the son of Nabonidus. It ended the doubts right there from all who were skeptical, and in their skepticism they had doubted the authenticity and the reality of the book of Daniel itself, but one by one, after those folks come on board who deny and deny and deny the Word of God, and they will cast their doubts, one after another those doubts are smashed, and the Lord sometimes waits a long period until archaeology, until some man discovers something that was buried thousands of years ago, and it brings out a name. And such was the case with this name Belshazzar. So he was found to be uh, a legitimate and authentic person that lived in that time period. But he's called in chapter 5 the king. Well, we know that his father, Nabonidus, was the king of Babylon, indeed the last king of Babylon before it was taken over by the Medes and Persians. So how could this be? Well, I explained to you last time that it's very likely he was a joint ruler or a co-regent with his father. And he was ruling part of the kingdom or Babylon at that time when his father was perhaps in another part of the kingdom doing some other business. And it's quite well the reason why Belshazzar was going to give the award to the person who could make known the interpretation of the writing on the wall being the third ruler of the kingdom because he had that authority to give at that particular time, his father being first, him second, and whoever would come along being third. So the sudden entrance of Belshazzar on the pages of biblical history, well, it's some, in some ways it's a mystery. There's nothing recorded about what he did to defeat any enemies. Nothing is given to us how he defended the empire. His focus, it is according to what we are given in this chapter on feasting and of what it was to throw a large party. We noted in verse 2 that he had a very scandalous exhibition because a great feast was organized and the king had an extensive invitation list of a thousand of his lords, of his wives and concubines, 
And they were brought, and the sole reason that they were brought together was a feast unto their gods of Babylon. And they were going to have, well, what was associated with that feast, the revelry, the drunkenness, and very, very possibly a lot of the lewd practices that went on in these heathen worship festivals. And what were they doing? They decided to take a time of gloating of their victory over Judah and Israel and seeing really their victory over the God of Israel. And so as Nebuchadnezzar had taken these sacred vessels from the temple, twice were recorded, this is recorded and given to us very detailed in chapter 5. And so however and whatever Nebuchadnezzar had done with them, it seems that he kept them in a secure place. They were known where they were. They weren't just discarded. Perhaps they were put up on display as trophies or relics of victory. But nonetheless, Belshazzar thought it would be a good idea to have an open example of them. And so he called for them to be brought. It was his hour of power. It was Belshazzar at the very height of his mockery of the God of Israel and of all of Israel itself. And we will bring in these temple vessels and we will spread them around. They became communal vessels for their mockery. And they drank. And they drank. And they drank themselves into a drunken stupor. The king was very shameless in his example to all those around, not showing himself as a monarch of dignity, but rather as a monarch of defilement and of foolishness and of being indulged, this wicked indulgence, without any restraint. And so what did they do? They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and their gods as these golden elements of the cups and vessels brought from Jerusalem, made of the same gold that was made of the idols of Babylon. But he was praising all of his gods and at the same time making a mockery. And as we come to this account tonight, where Daniel is brought in before the king, I want to think about this testimony of the man of God. I want you to think up with me tonight about the coveted testimony that he had. And pray, believer, that you and I would draw from this and that we would also echo and reverberate such a testimony even to those who are the enemies of the gospel, even to those who would be our enemies that whatever they're going to say about us, they would at least have to say, there is a man, a woman of God. That is a coveted testimony. And I pray that we will have such a bright witness for our Lord in this day of great debauchery, in this day of great revelry, in this day when the things of God are so compromised and so abused by the world, and they live in them, and they mock them, and they take the name of Christ, and they will trample it under their feet, 
in all of the movies and all the sitcoms and all the mockery. And sadly, even the very premier of our province in a recent exhibition he using of using the Lord's name in vain. Notice with me, please, number one, the stark contrast we have between darkness and light. As suddenly as Belshazzar comes on the scene of history, so also was the sudden response to his very reckless abandon that he exhibited toward the sacred things of God. You will notice how it concludes in chapter 4, pardon me, in verse 4, and moving right into chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. It was in the same hour that fingers of a man's hand, not the entire hand, but fingers of the hand. There are many times in history that men will blaspheme long and hard in the face of God, and nothing happens. And so much so that they conclude, because there's no harsh providence, there are no thunderbolts that come down from heaven to strike them dead, no sudden catastrophes, and certainly no secret messages that are written on the wall inscribed by the finger of a man's hand. And so this, of course, leads men further down the road of their foolish blasphemies. They continue discarding the name and the purpose of God and His Word, and they cast it aside. And they conclude out of all that, I guess there is no God. Or at least, the God that's supposed to be out there doesn't take any real interest or notice in what I am doing. He is a God at a distance, and we are not to be overly concerned with Him. But not so with Belshazzar. Not so on that night. Here is the only case in the Bible that we have of what I'm going to say respectfully is divine graffiti written on the wall of the king's palace. You will notice it says there, over against the candlestick. Now, I do not know, we cannot be certain, but was this the candlestick that had been taken from Jerusalem that was now on display in the king's palace? Or was this simply a candlestick that was part of the Babylonian furniture? I leave that with you to consider. But it would not surprise me at all because it seems it fits in as part of what was part of the blasphemy that was going on before this man and all of his people. And what a strange way it was for God to give a message. 
It was not done with a dream. It was not done through a prophet like Daniel. It wasn't given in some sleep, but it was a silent hand that inscribes a message on the wall. But this strange scripting done by part of a man's hand, it had a striking impact upon this drunken king. The party was over in a flash. The music and revelry, it stopped instantly. And the sobering effect of this spectacle, it changed the king's face in a moment. Just a second ago, his face had been stretched with a fool's laughter. But now, it is drawn in terror. His thoughts troubled him and could be seen in every expression. But this mysterious manifestation, it went further because it caused the very joints and muscles to loosen so that his knees began to smite one against another. It's a man who now has lost control of his ability to function as a man. This is what has come upon him. How quickly life can change. A moment before, he had no thought of any trouble. He was at the very height in his element of pride and of revelry. All was good. Nothing was to fear. But in a moment, now all was bad. And he had everything to fear. The proverb speaks about the laughter of fools as the crackling of thorns under a pot. And so the stark contrast we have set before us of this man Belshazzar's life and all that he is remembered for, and you put that in contrast to the weakest saint who is but trusting and waiting patiently upon God, and their testimony is bright and true and shining. And this other man's testimony is dark and dull and under the great weight now of God's judgment. Now after the inability of the wise men of Babylon to tell the meaning of the handwriting, verse 9 records that the king was then greatly troubled. So if he was troubled, first of all, that his knees began to bang one against another, now he is even more troubled because... The wise men whom he has called in, they cannot discern what is being written. This was a very, very bad omen for him. And it increased his distress so that those who watched and looked on to him, now they were completely astonished, not only by what the writing was, but the expression of the king and the impact this had upon this man's life. Friend, There is a word of warning here. A word of warning that this character 
of Belshazzar is not descriptive of anyone here or watching online in any way. The word of warning is, friend, do not play fast and loose with God. Do not think you can treat the Lord or His things in a light or foolish way and just carry on life as if there never will be a day of accounting. There will most definitely come a day of reckoning. And this day came to this man. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And God will not be mocked, my friends. If you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. And that's a word of warning for any who are unsaved, any who do not know Christ. And perhaps your life up to this point in time has been sailing on, doing your own thing, thinking it's your own way, not really concerned, but I pray that tonight you would be stricken with this situation that in a moment, in the snap of your fingers, all life can change. And everything that you thought was going right and good for you may all of a sudden go very, very bad and going in the wrong direction. Friend, do not wait until such a situation occurs in your life. Do not hold off, but call upon the Lord, because this stark contrast between darkness and the light of life and truth, it's a great warning for us all. Please notice in the second place here, we draw from verse 11 that there is a man. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the Spirit of the holy gods. We are told that the queen came into the banquet upon hearing of the commotion and the words and the distress of the king. Now this was quite possibly the queen mother as she was not in the feast and with all the wives and the concubines, so it's quite possibly she was the queen mother. But her message was given to settle the king by reminding him that there is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And she rehearsed before him the events that took place in the days of Nebuchadnezzar when the wise men and all the soothsayers and magicians were gathered in yet unable to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel, a captive of Judah, a man of unusual abilities, he revealed that dream and the interpretation to the king and she said, this man, he is able to dissolve your doubts and make this writing known unto you. The question is, why was not Daniel with them at that particular time when the first ones came? We don't really know. Was he in another part of the kingdom? Maybe he had been marginalized by the magicians because Daniel was no part of the magicians, actually. We know that. They were all up to their hocus-pocus, 
And he was about his own solo work in the kingdom of Babylon, doing what he was called to do and bearing that testimony. So it's quite possibly that he was just no part of them, really. And so when they called the magicians, all the other guys came, but of course they, had, they were powerless to do anything until this man was called. He was a man who was in touch with God. He was a man known as a man. And we will take him from this Scripture as being a man whom we know Daniel to be, a man of prayer. He was a man of action. He was a man who would make a difference in the kingdom. And you know, the application for us, when this testimony of the queen mother came out and said, there is a man in your kingdom. And oh, friends, that you and I would be people of God known by those who are the ungodly. I know that church at Nielsen and Finch. You know, that place, those people are serious about God's matters. Those people are truly genuine about what they say they believe. Oh, we might not agree with them. We might be against them. But we know their testimony. Is that said about us? Would it be said of you? Are you a man of God? Are you known by that testimony? Oh, friend, I pray that we will be of the same caliber. We'll be known in the halls of our homes in the halls of government, the very governments of our land and nation, let it be known, however they find out, that this is a congregation of people who are in touch with God, people who know their Lord, who will be strong and do exploits. The queen knew of Daniel, and she said, there is a man in your kingdom would you pray tonight? Would you join me in prayer tonight that God would make us such people? That the Lord would make you, husband, father, such a man of God, such a man of prayer with that testimony that Daniel had, that we would be spiritually strong in Christ, that we would not be weak in our faith, that we would not be those who are afraid and filled with fear, but those who go forward with faces of lions, those who know their God and who will be strong to do exploits for the living God. May it be said of us, I know where there is such a people of God tonight. There is a man in thy kingdom. And I want you to notice, please, with me in the third place, the radiant testimony of this man of God. We have his characteristics that are given to us. In verse 11, there is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit 
of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, made master of the magicians and the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And it doesn't stop there, for it goes into verse 12 saying, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. So this gives us a list of the characteristics of this man. And we are told that he had the Spirit of God. Now, I know the Queen Mother said the Spirit of the gods. But however she interpreted that, she knew there was something about that man. He was in touch with a higher power. And he was totally different from all the other charlatans, all the other guys who were in that crowd. No, this man stands out. He's different. Because he is a man who has the Spirit of God in him and upon him. And we're told that he is described as an excellent spirit. And that word is repeated not only here in verse 12, later in the chapter, but also chapter 6 and verse 3. He has an excellent spirit. How is it, friend, that you are described tonight? I say to you this, if you have the Spirit of Christ in you, which you do if you're saved, and we all do, then can it not be said of us that we have an excellent spirit? But wait a minute. Maybe there is something a little bit more that must be added to this. Because the demonstration or manifestation of the graces of God in us, of the fruit of the Spirit, which reveals the mind of Jesus and the very heart and characteristic of Christ in us, because when we look at our Savior, we say, He has an excellent spirit. It is a perfect spirit. Because He did always those things that please His Father. There was no blemish or mar in His character or nature. He was perfect. We know that. And we are called to be like Him. To be holy like the God of heaven like the Christ who has saved us, is that excellent Spirit, brother, sister, in you tonight? Is that in me? I pray that the Lord will so stamp His beauty and glory and the wonder of His person upon our lives that that will be our testimony. There's a man or a woman that has God's Spirit upon them. I know it. I can see it. There's a person that has an excellent Spirit, and they are ones who walk with God. But we're also told in verse 12 that he had knowledge. This came out in the very early days of our study with Daniel as he and his three friends, that when they were taken from 
out of all the captives, they were of noble blood, they were of the king's household, and they had obviously been instructed very well and educated clearly. Dear friends, there's, there's good merit and value in education. There is good behavior for us to educate ourselves and to not be negligent of this matter. That's a word for young people in school and high school. Make the most of your time. Gather as much knowledge as you can. Make as much of what your time and God is giving to you and add knowledge, line upon line, precept upon precept, because when David, who was the shepherd boy out in the fields, he had his harp and he played. And he was expert in his playing. He trained himself He learned how to play, and he played for hours and hours on end, and he practiced. And he became excellent, and so much so that God used that single event of his ability to play the harp as being the open door for him to get into the king's household, into Saul's place, because you'll remember he played the harp. He was known as an expert in that area, and God used that knowledge and that ability. And so, As you learn in your life as much as you can, God will use that knowledge later on, maybe in ways you never thought of. Don't ever think, oh, what do I have to learn this for? I don't think I'm going to ever use this in my life. No, don't think that way. But rather, gather as much as you can, study hard, pray hard, work hard, and gain as much knowledge as you can in this life but not so that you'll be like a pointy-headed intellectual, not that you'll be able to boast in all you know. That's not how Daniel was at all. His knowledge was used, and God set him to the forefront. And maybe the Lord will do the same with you. He will use the knowledge that you are gaining now, working hard, investing hard, And it will be ultimately for His glory later on. We are given some further information. We're told that Daniel had light and understanding. I think that the light that he had from heaven was a light that shone in his face. I think it was clearly evident by his testimony. It wasn't all by what he said, certainly not all by what he knew, but it was the light that shone from him. And that light was the reflection of the glory of God in his face. And that light and that understanding, well, we could describe it as discernment. To pray for discernment in this life is a very important thing. And I would encourage young and old to pray much for God's discernment in your life because that holy and divine discernment will help you in times when you're getting it tough and you have to make a decision. And sometimes it's a decision that's very, very fine. And you're not exactly sure what will be the outcome, but you want to make the right decision and you need God's divine discernment. So here was a man who had that testimony about him, an excellent spirit, 
a man who had knowledge that was abundant, but a man who knew how to use that knowledge. And he had discernment to be able to cut through the good and the better. We're also told in verse 11 that he had the wisdom of the gods. He had divine wisdom. How else could they have explained the queen mother? How else could she have explained what happened in the days of Nebuchadnezzar when no one else could tell the king his dream? I mean, that was a mad thing to ask anyone to do. Tell the dream and the interpretation. But Daniel was able to do that by God's Spirit. And by the grace of God, he had the wisdom that came alone from the Lord. You know, friends, as we come to stand before the Lord and we must pray that God's wisdom will be upon us, we know that He grants and gives that to us. That's the very promise of His Word. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. He does not withhold or restrain. He gives abundantly. And Daniel had been on the receiving end of this, and he knew the Lord. Some of these characteristics, we do well to pray over each one of them and pray them into our hearts and our lives. And the reputation that this man had was, was a firmly grounded one. Because if you turn over to verse 16... We find that after Daniel had been called in before, Nebuchadnezzar, before Belshazzar, and Belshazzar asked him a few introductory questions, are you Daniel of the captivity? Yes. And he comes down to verse 16. The king says these words, I have heard of thee. Now how did he hear about Daniel? Well, unless he had been a complete dope, and he had been completely ignorant of being concerned with anything that had gone on in his kingdom, he would have learned something about the days of Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, and knowing of the great wonders that occurred. But the queen had relayed this information to him, and it was almost like she was rehearsing it. So it's like a guy had heard it, maybe he'd learned it before, but he had been so consumed with himself and his own pride and situation, it had gone out of his mind. But now it was brought back to his mind. And now he knows. And he's able to say about this man, I have heard of thee. And what a great blessing it is, my dear friends, to have such a testimony that people have heard. We've been emphasizing that tonight, and it's important for us to take that home with us and pray that whatever people hear about us, he will not be the bad stuff. We want them to know and hear about us the testimony that is righteous and holy and true. Never let it be said of anyone that person's word could not be taken. I couldn't believe a word they say. If they shake hands in an agreement, they'd break it and there's no trust. Let that never be said of any Christian, certainly none of us here. We want our word to be solid gold. We want our testimony to be absolutely clear. We want our reputation to be firmly grounded in the gospel. And so that even a, an evil king would have to say, I have heard about thee. 
Friends, as we conclude our message tonight, we know that Daniel had the Spirit of Christ in him. We know he was a man who was a true man of God. And the need in our day is for us to have such an unblemished testimony of the grace and the power of God in us. And that God would raise up such men, such women in our time. Is this not what we can draw from this Scripture tonight? Is this not what we can pray over before our Lord, that He will do that great work in us, that our testimony would be one that is radiant in a dark world because things are not getting brighter in one sense. They're getting darker. But we want our testimony to be very clear, very open, very straightforward, and very radiant. And I pray that God would do that work in all of us tonight. Friend, what about you here if you're not a believer? I hope and pray that you would humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord and you would come to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you will come to rejoice in the full and free gift of God's eternal salvation. We're going to close our meeting now with singing of a hymn, number 622. Thank God there's power in the blood of Christ and that power that enables us not only in salvation but in our testimony to a lost world. Friend, if you're not staying for communion, then I would encourage you please to remain until we sing at least the first verse and then feel free to leave. Let me ask also the folks that are up in the balcony tonight, uh, while we're singing this hymn, you make your way down because only a few people upstairs. You make your way down here uh, as we prepare ourselves for the communion service. Standing to sing.
As we settle ourselves now before the Lord's table, we're going to sing hymn number six, uh, 228. Please, 228. Remaining seated as we sing this prayerfully to the Lord. Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Just as you are turning up there, it's good to see our brother Joachim in the service tonight. I know our brother has not been well I heard for 
a couple of weeks, and so we're happy, brother, that you're back with us, and very happy that Joanne is with us in the service today. We haven't seen our sister Joanne for a couple of years now, and it's been a delight to have her here today with us. And so, Joanne, the Lord bless you, and we'll pray for you that he'll keep you safe. Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before us as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. 
this whole chapter of God's Word speaking so prophetically about the cross and about our Lord Jesus. And the very reason why we are gathered tonight around the table is so that we can remember, give worship, give praise from our heart for the fact that the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That's a wonder, my friends, that we will never exhaust. It won't matter how long eternity is, but there will not be a moment that will go by that we will not consider and think of the great debt that we owe our Savior and how that God in love to our souls chose to bring His Son under judgment and to pour out our iniquity upon Him so that we might go free. Yes, we stand today in the sunlight of that great saving, atoning, redeeming work. And we can rejoice tonight as we do in our hearts because the Lord has given to us all these things fully and freely in His Son. And tonight, as once more, we gather around this very simple table and the elements, there's nothing magical about them, bread and the fruit of the vine. But as we take these simple elements, the Lord has blessed them to us that we might gather and remember, that we might take this time of worship and give our praise unto Him. Now we know that there is also a time of self-examination. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat. And so we bring ourselves before the Lord this evening, and we do so with thanksgiving and worship and praise to Him. And we say, Lord, please take the very faltering worship that we offer, the very uh, often abysmal or weak worship, and yet it is sanctified by the Spirit, and our God receives it, because as Psalm 103 says, He knows our frame, and He remembers that we are dust. Therefore, our weakness is that which does not limit the Lord accepting the offering that we bring, the offering of thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise, it's called, and we do that tonight. Let's bow, please, before the Lord in prayer. Go and ask our brother Fraser if he will give thanks for the bread that reminds us of the Lord's broken body. O Lord, our God, as we bow before Thee, we acknowledge our unworthiness to take Thy high and holy name upon our sin-polluted lips, and that we are but mere creatures of time, and Thou art the God of eternity. 
And we pray, Lord, that we would, in true reverence, uh, bow before thee and realize afresh who thou art and what thou hast done for these souls of ours. And the wonder of the incarnation, the wonder of the cross, the wonder of the resurrection, the wonder of the ascension. And Lord, may we truly bow before thee and realize that thou hast provided a way whereby sinners can be in glory with thee, can be in that paradise of God for all eternity. And it is not for any work that we have done, but it is based solely upon the finished and perfect work of our Lord and Savior. We thank thee afresh for the broken body of our Lord. And as we partake of this portion of the elements, we pray that thou would separate from a common to a holy use as much of this as shall be used. May we truly eat and drink to thy glory. We pray this in our Savior's precious name. Amen. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me.
take and eat. As we continue now in prayer, uh, ask our brother Newell if he'll give thanks for the cup that reminds us of our Lord's precious shed blood. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that you have made us able even to take part in this sacred time. We know, Lord, that thou art in the midst of us, and Lord, we praise thy name, O God, that thou went willingly on the cross, that thou allowed your body to be beaten, that you allowed it, O God, to be punched by sinful man. Lord, we praise and glorify thee, Lord, for all the love that you had towards your people. O oh, Father in heaven, we thank you that you were willing to give your dearly beloved son for sinful man. What a wonder of wonders, Lord, as our pastor has said. How shall we ever grasp this? How shall we ever take it in, Lord, what you did for us on that cruel cross? Praise God, that wasn't the end, O oh Lord. You rose again on the third day. And Lord, you've seen that victory over death. And Lord, we shall live again with thee, because we are in thee, Lord. O oh God, what blessed Blessed, blessed Lord, thing that we enjoy is the great salvation that was wrought on Calvary's cross. And God, we thank you again for sharing your life's blood for sinful creatures such as us. Accept of our thanks, Lord. Accept of our worship, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Drink all of it. Our Father, as we have had the privilege once more of meeting around the table in this very simple act yet with profound consequences for us. Pour out your Spirit, we pray, upon every believer, 
speak to those who are still uncertain and still unsaved. Bring them under the canopy and the blessing of everlasting salvation. Father, we're thankful tonight also that our brother Dan is with us at the table. We're thankful for your grace in his life, for helping him, and we pray you would continue to pour out your spirit with the loss that he has suffered of his dear wife. Pray you would bless Joanne here. Lord, keep your hand upon her. Thankful our brother Joachim is back with us and uh, feeling better. We pray for others who are sick tonight and hold them up and pray for your continued ongoing watch care over them. So, Lord, part us now in your fear with your great blessing, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.